Yes, FT Love family, welcome back to another episode. If you're new here, welcome. In a nutshell, we watch, analyse a beautiful game, think out loud between the three of us, and then put our thoughts into a list form. Got two of the other boys with me. Football came back yesterday. I assume you both watched it? Yes. yes. Well, happy to be watching it again. Happy with the result. 4-0, my boys won. Tom, how did you feel about the result? Uh, happy it was back, but Schalke being my team, hated losing. It's good Schalke. to have the competitive feel back. That's all it is. Schalke. I know you're a big Schalke fan and must yeah. have yeah, ever since Raul went there, to be fair, like when Raul went from Real Madrid to Schalke, it was like, yes, that's it. I'm following them. Back before I really knew about Bayern Munich and before Dortmund were getting big. So, no, that's not like that's not like it's, it's the Crystal Palace connection, really, isn't it? If you think about it, Sean Scannell, he played under Wagner. Did he? Yeah, at Huddersfield. Yeah, yeah. That's what it really was, Tom. Don't, don't give us all that. Oh, it's Raul, no, it's Sean Scannell. That's what it was. Nah. No, definitely it's the kit. No, stop it, stop it, stop it. All right, mate, all right. Yeah, I mean, yeah, I, I, I watched it yesterday. And uh, Hag, Haglund, or whatever his name is, just a beast, isn't he? He's an unreal striker. Yeah. It's, it's just, mate, it's unreal how quick he gets everywhere about. He's six foot four and quick and wants to get him behind the defenders. That is a problem for any defender. Like, he looks he's like, just He looks like an animal. He's just a funny, funny fella. But he's just, he's no... <laughs> In terms, of, in terms of the way he plays and just what he looks like, just something else, mate. But I don't know if you both saw uh, Sancho. He gained a bit of weight. Yeah. Him. Well, they yeah. would do in this time. Going back to Highland though, like, have you seen his press reports when he does after? It's like they ask him something and he's like two words. Saw one yesterday, yeah. He's like a magic eight ball in his response. So funny. <laughs> he don't care. No, nah, to be fair though, why should he? Elite mentality, that's what it is, isn't it? Mm. Mm. But uh, the other thing, obviously, I noticed yesterday was the social distancing. It was so bloody pointless. I mean, you had the players, the subs, two metres apart. I don't know if you saw that. And then you had the captain yeah. standing at least two two metres apart um, to do the coin toss. And then two seconds later, they were on the pitch <laughs> yeah. next to each other. Bunching up in the corners and whatnot. It's ridiculous. I don't know what they're, what they're playing at, but it's what it is. But I'm just glad football's back, that's for sure. But um, equally, I love what we do. And I think we do it pretty well. So without further ado, if one man can explain the lockdown rules with no questions asked, it'll be this guy, Jack Maji, explain today's question. So today we are listing our top 10 greatest international sides of all time. Um, yeah, this, this was tough, boys. I, I'm, even now, I'm just thinking, oh, what have I done? Have I even got it in the right order? Have I got the right teams? Have I missed anyone? I, I don't know about you, but yeah, this, for me, this was the hardest one. To do I even mind. threw some. I even threw some curveballs in in the bottom two, the number nine, number ten. I don't think you've got these two in your list either. That's a standard yeah. for you, though, mate. Isn't it? That's a standard. But <laughs> Sorry, I, mean, curve in. I, I think this was proper hard. For one, most of the teams I wasn't born um, through that through that time, and second, it's just hard because international. You only come round about every four years. You only see the true brilliance of the game um, mm. internationally. Um, but yeah, it was a hard one, definitely. So, Tom, as ever, kick us off. Right, my number 10 is going to be the original champions, the original first ever winners of a World Cup. Because I, I don't think you can't include them or not include them in this list. I've gone for Uruguay, 1930 era. They were the first winners. Not much said about them, but I think they're, they should be not, definitely mentioned. So I put them as number 10, Uruguay, 1930. Yeah, do you know what? I was considering putting them in. Um, the reason I didn't was because 
like in back in those days there was only a few teams but you know um in because in those days like a lot of teams rejected world cup invites and stuff and england didn't participate until i think it was the 50s so uruguay didn't after they won it they rejected the invitation to the next one so i mean they could have easily i guess been the favorites if if they had won the first one and then the next one was four years later so yeah we could be talking about back to back if if all the politics and stuff were were in it so yeah i I was considering them for that as well but yeah they sort of just missed out you can't not appreciate the first ones yeah the originals yeah they didn't make my my list they're a team like jack said i think they could if they carried on doing what they were doing. We could have been talking about them instead of Brazil as one of the best teams, potentially. They could have been the footballing nation, but it all fell off. And now the only thing I associate with Uruguay is uh, Diego Forlan. Um, <laughs> not, not even Luis Suarez biting everyone's no, head off. I, I mean, he is one of them, but I mean, Forlan is the one that come, comes to mind anyway. But um, my my number 10 is Argentina, uh, 86 and 90. I don't know if they're on your list. I, this team have got two World Cup finals, and look, this guy you can really put it down to one guy, one one fellow who cheats. I mean, um, one fellow who's just a brilliant player, <laughs> Diego Maradona, solid player. I mean, you put him up there with your Pele's, your Ronaldo's, your Messi's. Some argue he's the best of all time. Look, the guy just take the ball on from the back and run through defenses, just destroy people. You know, bring from his own half, scaring defenders. He was always on the Charlie. Um, so, <laughs> he still but, is now. <laughs> yeah, like, the guy is just a, a legend in all sense of the word in terms of uh, a player and a person. Um, just a hero. But I'm not just talking. I mean, I'm just talking about him, and that's why they make my they make my ten because they obviously got to the World Cup finals, two World Cup finals, and won it in '86 as a team. But really, you're putting it down to the one guy, Maradona. So they don't they don't go further up my list, but. They do make my list because of what they've done, but I'm really going to put it down to Maradona. So number ten is Maradona, eighty-six and ninety. Really, <laughs> have you seen the videos of Maradona on the um, plane where he's doing all the shots and stuff off his elbow and everything? So funny. I'm not. He's on his that. own private private jet and he's balancing shot glasses on his elbow, trying to do them and lifting them up. So funny. He's a top man, a legend. Top what man. I aspire to be. <laughs> <laughs> Jack number ten. Uh, yeah, I've I've got the same number ten for the same reasons really. Like they they did achieve a lot. It was pretty much down to Maradona. Um, they obviously set it up to get the best out of him and kind of did did some of his running and stuff. But yeah, it it was a it's more a one man team than than anyone on this list definitely. I, I guess the manager as well has got to get credit for achieving so much with Maradona and little else in terms of superstars. So. Yeah, they're, they're 10 for me as well for the same sort of reason. Good point. I didn't, didn't think about the manager. But yeah, 100%. Tom, you're number nine. My number nine, I mean, you can't normally accuse me of being biased, but I have gone for the bias route. I've gone for England 66. I was half thinking you were going to say Crystal Palace. <laughs> <laughs> Get them in there somehow. Yeah, <laughs> somehow. Right. Well, you know, West Ham fans try and use it with this one, don't they? With the yeah. England 66 saying about Bobby Moore. Jeff Hurst and all that. They still try and grab it, so I could at some point. But no, England 66, we won the World Cup. I mean, I'd love us to win the World Cup again. Whether we do or not, it's a completely different matter. But England 66, I've put it in nine. They've nicked a place when you think about the other teams that could have been in there. But I've put them in anyway. It's got to be done. 
England 66. Now, fair enough. And uh, that's one time in history, in football history, that I wish I was born or lived through. Because mm. the, the, the absolute scenes, what the last World Cup, where we got to the, the semis or whatever, um, uh, Trippier scored that, that goal. And I was thinking, I think it was at your house, Jack. And yeah, I, all of yeah, us were I don't remember a lot of that, to be fair. I thought I was going to mess your sofa up. To be fair, when I nearly oh, threw my drink in, yeah. I, I came. I was in in your in your house, and I remember shaking when that goal went. And I was going, we was all going nuts, absolutely nuts. And then yes, the feeling after that, <laughs> I don't know. I, I told me all I remember. The feeling after losing that game, coming out of Jack's house, I was depressed. But <laughs> I went home. I didn't even speak to the missus. I was just literally just sat there. This <laughs> I, I, I was not speaking for a good solid two days because that. I don't know, that feeling of having everything in front of you and the opportunity to see your nation win, win the World Cup and then having it taken from you, you know, mm. that's, that's, it was terrible. But, you know, that's one time in history I'd love to go back to, 1966. So, yeah, I, I do like that you put it in. Um, yeah, life beat after Trippier's free kick, didn't it? It was never <laughs> quite the same. <laughs> uh, that's the only thing you can If, if only Kane had squared it. Yeah, <laughs> we said that, didn't we? Oh, no. Trust the Spurs player to muck it up. Well, no, I've and seen a, a tweet that said Sterling was offside, but I, I don't know about that. Um, I have to review the footage. No, yeah, apparently, if he had passed it anyway, it wouldn't have. Yeah, don't, don't ruin it. It's the Spurs player's fault. Um, it was, yeah. Number nine for me is Brazil 82. Well, they, uh, it was debatable whether they go higher up my list. Um, they didn't, basically, I don't think they won um, anything, that team. Uh, well, in, in terms of World Cups. And they got to a point in the World Cup, right, and everyone, they were the favourites. They had players like Zico, uh, Falcao, Socrates, Oscar, uh, players like that just played mesmerising football. We sp- spoke about this in our previous podcast, didn't we, with the Brazil team. Mm. And they just played beautiful football. And if I'm going to liken the manager to anyone, uh, sorry, the manager was uh, Tele uh, Santana, I think his name is. Um, if I'm going to liken him to any manager of modern game, and this is probably a disjustice to him, but um, someone like Sari, right, he cares more about the way you play football as opposed to winning the game. He, When he came in, he took his team and he just said, look, we just want to enjoy football, want to create, and want to have fun with the ball. And you saw that with that 1982 Brazil team, like we were saying in the previous episode, just flair, um, just be- brought a beautiful game to football. And the headline when they got knocked out to Italy was football has died in the newspaper, which is a bit mad because people generally thought when Brazil got knocked out of the World Cup, they thought, what's going on? Football is not the same and it never will be again. And that shows how good this team was. Although they didn't win uh, the World Cup, the way they played and the style they played in, uh, I think they make my number nine. Um, And I think that's why I enjoyed, uh, obviously I wasn't born those times, but I enjoyed looking back at some of those players, and we mentioned previously Socrates being the probably the main one in that team. You know, they met my number nine. Fun fact for you though, Socrates, right? I never knew this until I did a bit of research, but um, Socrates never played a full ninety minutes until that World Cup. Really? Did he not? No. So yeah, because we know about his lifestyle. His crazy boy lifestyle. He just smoked and he rarely trained. Um, rarely did any running, etc. This guy until that World Cup, he never played a full ninety minutes. Wow. I mean, how do you know how long he lasted for each game, roughly? Was it like the hour mark? No, I don't know. This, I'm only only because I watched some um, FIFA um, documentary on it, and it was saying that Socrates he just never he just never played full ninety minutes. He used to get subbed off or wanted to come off, 
But in that World Cup, he really switched on and he really started to knuckle down his fitness, etc. Stopped smoking for the first um, for the first time. So in that World Cup, he really wanted it, but unfortunately, he got knocked out by the Italians. Got it. But yeah, they made my number nine. Yeah, I didn't. They didn't make my list, but I've got a similar sort of pick at nine. I've I've done these, so I've tried to value if they've done it over more than one tournament or over a period of sort of three to five years. Um, and for that reason, I've got Holland 74 to 78 at nine. I mean, I'd imagine they might be higher on your boys' list. Obviously, 74 was, was total football, and that was with Cruyff, and the impact that they've had on, on the world of football since then has been massive. And, you know, everyone wanted them to beat Germany. Germany got it done. And then in 78, Cruyff weren't there. They weren't as good, but they, they still made the final. And, I mean, Holland have had some great teams, but that's that's got to be the best of them when, when they're at their peak at sort of mid-70s. And it's a shame they didn't get over the line. If they did, I think they'd be a lot higher up for me. But, yeah, they're, they're number nine for me. Yeah, good choice. And they are higher up on my list. Um, but, yeah, a class team. Tom? Well, just building on what Jack said, I've, he's only actually one higher than mine, purely for the fact that they didn't beat West Germany. I didn't actually put West Germany on my list, though, but I put Netherlands 74 in because it was such a memorable win for West Germany because they beat the total football and it was almost unexpected for them to beat Netherlands. Uh, Netherlands, I think, they, was it that era where they had the um, uh, really high press, wasn't it? Like, ridiculously high press, where they just, everyone ran forward, wasn't it? It was that era, wasn't it? Or have I yeah. got the wrong? Yeah. So yeah, it would be that time. It's quite revolutionary the way they just, the whole team pressed and caught people offside the whole time and nobody knew how to cope with it so to be so innovative with their defensive tactics as well as their attacking total football tactics as well I think merits them above West Germany even though they lost to them so that's why they're my number eight on my list lovely um so my number eight is the Brazil um 2000s team uh you can probably expand that a little bit or you know you could potentially go from 98 to 2000 but I've gone for the 2000s team so again we spoke about Brazil in our previous episode uh, the three R's, you've got the Ronaldo, Rivaldo, Ronaldinho, uh, Samba, Jogo Benito. The flair football was uh, going again. Just a brilliant team. And they were all on Nike, Nike adverts. I don't know if you remember. Um, Nike adverts back in the day were the one. It's just to sit and wait for the adverts um, and go on YouTube and watch the Ronaldinho uh, crossbar challenge thing. It was just mad. But yeah. this this team, um, I don't know, it, it brought that flair back, um, which... Like I previously said, people thought died in '82, um, and don't get me wrong, Brazil in the '90s, in the early '90s, were quite good as well. But um, this team had a lot more flair. The passing was fluent, etc. Um, so we had the Ronaldinho lob. Uh, yeah, Car- Roberto Carlos's bullet, like shots, mm. just unreal. Uh, Cafu's defending, leading from the back. Rivaldo driving runs and tackles in the centre of the midfield. You know that kind of team. I used to love watching. We, we all know about my admiration for Ronaldinho, but just mm. Brazil as a team, they're the first real, uh, I suppose, national team that I took interest in. Um, and I suppose it's the most entertaining football I've seen over the years um, came from that team there. So, yeah, yeah they're, they're my number eight. I think as well, it's one of them teams where you can actually probably still name pretty much the whole starting eleven yeah. and other players if needed as well. 100%. It's, and they obviously won that World Cup in 2002. I think that, that was my favourite. The one, the one World Cup that sticks to mind was that one there. 
bar the one that we just had where England obviously got to uh, the semi-finals, just as for personal reasons because of obviously English. But I mean, that 2002 World Cup, I just remember it. That was, that's the one that sticks in mind. And obviously the Ronaldinho free kick um, is the main part of that World Cup and the Ronaldo haircut. Yeah, I remember as well in primary school in that World Cup, you could act where it was like in, I think it was like Japan and South Korea, it was on at like eight o'clock in the morning. morning. Yeah. Yeah. My school actually said, right, if you come in slightly earlier, yes, put I, a TV screen we in did that as well. and you can watch it. Uh, yeah. I've never seen it done in another World Cup. I'd love it to happen again, especially now I work in a school. I could just sit there and watch it as and, and when um, the kids. You boys were there. So Vinny went your high school. Oh, yeah. So he's Brazilian. And so basically, whoever was going to win that game, he was he was laughing either way, and like he got a load of abuse that day. Yeah, <laughs> I remember. I, I remember that was mad. But yeah, that that Brazil team was um class, and that, they make my number eight. Yeah, I've got them. I'll, I'll reveal it later. But yeah, I've got them. They're a bit higher actually. Um, I thought you you might have them a bit higher, but um, yeah, my number eight's probably going to surprise you as well at how low they are. Um, but it's the Hungary side from score. 50 to 56. For real? For shot. I mean, I yeah. have them higher. Tom, you're yeah. normally the one that brings out the shockers. What's happening? I know, Jack. What have you done? It's because I've done it on... I mean, to be fair, at the end, when we do, when we come to our final list, I don't think I'll be taking much convincing to put them higher. But um, <laughs> yeah, I've got my eight for now. So yeah, they, they obviously didn't win the World Cup, but they were easily the best team to have never won it. Um they went through like a five-year period of losing one match in 50, and that was the World Cup final. And unlike Holland, they did they did actually win stuff. They won the Olympics, which I think was was a bigger deal back in the day. And they won the Euros before it was in its current format. But yeah, they they were the European champions as well. And obviously, Puskas was you know the best player of all time at that point. And Sander Coxix was they made up the best strike force yeah. in, in football. And yeah, that what they did to England at Wembley, when I think this is when, you know, just after the war and England were still seen as the best team in the world, or at least in England, England thought they were the best team in the world. And Hungary just rocked up and beat them 6-3 and then absolutely destroyed them in Budapest 7-1. And yeah, we talked about Holland's total football. And yeah, Hungary were, were doing similar sort of things. Um, yeah, everyone could play on the ball. Really, they they were they did have the players all over the pitch, but yeah, obviously Puskas is the one that um, everyone remembers. And yeah, they they were revolutionary. So yeah, they're they're number eight for me. <laughs> number eight, <laughs> ridiculous. Tom, your number seven. My number seven. Uh, all of, they've won. Got the, to the Euro final in twenty sixteen, I believe, and they won the World Cup in twenty eighteen. It's that France team. Uh, Although they may not have a lot of massively standout stars, they have got such a squad depth in every position. I think I remember seeing the squad list and they had the depth of like three players back in every position. So like you had three full backs, three right backs, three left backs, three centre I think it's six centre backs. Twenty probably back. twenty centre backs. Uh, yeah. yeah. So, it's ridiculous. Remember, there's so many players like Laporte hasn't got a cap for France. Uh um, Pemicano hasn't got a cap for France. It's They've just got so many young players just, coming through. Yeah, it's just so many players in each position. But when you change them in the positions, they don't look any weaker. Like they've got so many players who could actually go in and be a starter for another country. 
should they choose to live in Ukraine for a couple of years or Spain for a couple of years, they could easily get into them teams. And it's just the depth is ridiculous. But I've put a different France team higher up just for the pure fact that they've not got as many world-class players, if you know what I mean. But the yeah. for the player-to-player, it's just unreal. And that's why they're number seven on my list. Yeah, I think it's a bit early for them. But again, because yeah. like, there's so, so many of their best players are so young. There's um, time. There they is have time, yeah. Two finals, though. They have got to two finals. They have got to do, yeah, yeah. I, d- I think that is a, a thing of, because of how they play, you're sort mm. of right in that they, they have, you know, they have actually achieved more than 82 Brazil and Cruyffs, Holland and all that. And yeah, I mean, yeah, I, I put Hungary so low because they didn't win the World Cup and they sort of bottled it. But um, yeah, technically France have actually achieved more than them as well. But yeah, I just think it's a bit a bit early. But I mean, the fact that Mbappe's, what, 21? Veron's 26? And Pogba's 26? They got They've some got, way to go. Yeah. Germany. They'd be favourites for the Euros, wouldn't they, probably? I'm going to stop in yeah. there. Oh, France, they're doing well, right? And don't get me wrong, you're right. I think in the next couple of years, they could still be, they can win a couple more trophies. But for me, the standard football nowadays, you know, Germany were good, right? In what, 2010? Yeah, and then the next World Cup, they got docked out by like Mexico or something. Or they lost their first game to like Mexico. Yeah, Mexico, South Korea. Yeah. Do you know what? So you haven't got like, on this list, I've found that like, these teams, they kind of dominated for years. Whereas I think modern, like you look from 2000 onwards, you have so many different World Cup winners and so many different European um, league winners, apart from one, one I'm going to mention. No one's really dominated. And I don't think France, uh, this one here, this, this France team, I may be wrong, but I don't think they show me enough of, I don't know, that class, that star quality. Are you saying, though, that they wouldn't be favourites? Because now, like, who would be favourites? Yeah. For the Euros, they'll, 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 they'll be the favourites for the Euros. Yeah, yeah. They, they will yeah. be, but yeah, they will be. But I'm talking about in terms of this list, I don't know. I can't, for me, I can't personally put them above anyone, even like my top 10. Maybe a. Yeah, not even that Brazil team. They beat the Netherlands in '78, and because they, they've won, they've got to two finals, and they've won one. They've beaten the Brazil team in '82 because they've won a final. They've won it. You yeah, can't I not mean, have. Yeah, I understand that what they've won a World Cup. That's fair enough, and don't get me wrong, it's a major thing. I just think the standard of football at the moment, in this period, is my opinion, but at this period, isn't what it would have been back then. I think you would have teams that are. The top teams, anyway, would be competing against each other equally, as opposed. I think how the standard of football's gone. So early, the early World Cup, it was quite low, um, partly because not as many teams competed, like we touched on earlier. And then it, yeah, it sort of peaked probably around yeah sixties, seventies, yeah, eighties, and then yeah, it's it's dropped off. Yeah, it definitely has dropped off probably since Italy won it in two thousand six, but. Yeah, it's France. This France team, I don't have them on my list, and not yeah, because you can only beat what's in front of you, and it's not as good. But yeah, they could easily do another Euros, couldn't they, and and stuff like that, because they'd be the they'll be the favourites for this one, and then probably them or Germany or England will be the favourites for the next World Cup. I think we're forgetting how heavy favoured they were though to win that World Cup, like just from looking at the squad list. Like when they came into the World Cup, they were the obvious favourites and they were favourites for the Euros as well like and it's not like oh they might win it you looked at it and it was like no they really are going to get it 
it was almost like the Spain teams back in the 2008-2012 period or the uh, uh, Germany team back in 2014. If you pick them out the sweepstake, you're laughing. You've won the money already. You might as well just give me the money. Give me the envelope. So I think like they were heavy favourites. So that's why they should be on the list. No, that's fair enough. I, I personally don't think they were favourites for me, but that's fair enough. Um, number seven. So you mentioned them, Jack, just a second ago. I don't know. Like, like we said, this is a proper hard list. And I'm kind of second thinking where I've put them, but they, I've put them there anyway. Um, the Italy 06 team. Right. This, this team, um, just on pure fact, the star plays in every single position. And obviously that famous World Cup final where Zidane nutted, nutted the Italian player in the chest. I can't remember what he said. But um, just the pure, the pure like passion from this team that took them through. And you know, like from previous episodes, I like teams and players that want to win. That's a key factor for me that that they want to win and they just have that drive in them to go and win as a collective, as a team. I think this Italy team did that. They just pushed the wins over the line, and obviously they had Cannavaro, absolute. What, what was he like? Five foot or something stupid like that. <laughs> just it was yeah. And he was just a solid bloody defender. Absolutely solid. But you had Cannavaro, you had uh, Booth on in goal, Del Piero, Jack's main man, Totti, Perlo pulling the strings, Maldini. You know, look at this, all these players. Was Nesta there? Um, All these players, right, in one squad, and they just produced magic. And fair enough, they beat France that year with no Zidane technique. But I just just like the way they they got got over the line with their pure passion and um, teamship. Um, to be fair, though, they did have to beat Germany. They didn't have the easiest route. They had to beat Germany no. to get well. They had to beat some other real top teams to get there. So it wasn't like they got the easiest journey no, to get there. Yeah. They had but to I, beat something. I think they got through just the way they play as a team. Um, so obviously through this list, a lot of these teams, they got some star players. And like a star man would be the main reason why this team is, these teams have won the World Cup. But obviously this Italian team has got the star players. But overriding all that, it was the fact that they played as a team and they had a really good balance between defence, midfield and strikers. I mean, not one of those players could just take out the team, but like, he's not doing the job, you know. Um, so, yeah, that's why Italy for me is number seven. Yeah, why I wouldn't have Italy on the list is because, yeah, I agree with what you said. Like, in terms of names, even and even for strikers, Italy normally don't have a great striker, but I think Luca Toni was the top scorer in, in Europe yeah. at the time. So they actually did have a good striker for once. And obviously, they've always had a good back five. Um, but as I said earlier, I, I'm doing this over sort of three to five years. And they bombed out in the group stage at Euro 2004. Mm. Um, mm. Or if, if you want to do it the other way, they bombed out the group stage in the World Cup 2010. And they in Euro, uh, Euro 2008, they went out in the last 16. So they didn't, they didn't do much outside of the tournament. It was a weird one. It all sort of came together for them in that year and like they I think they won they did beat some difficult teams Germany but they beat them literally like the last I remember it was like the last minute of the game they scored and then they scored again because all the Germany players went up for a corner uh, I think they beat someone Australia I think within the last minute uh, with a penalty yeah. and then they beat France on penalties so they they won it yeah fair play to them <laughs> they probably they probably struggled to win it more than anyone else I can think of yeah like in uh, terms of no game was really easy for them that's why I debated where they are on my list but like you said they, they not scrape games but 
I think that's my point. It, the passion that took them over. Yeah. And um, that's why they're probably they're on my list. But, Debatable where they are. So I am open to when we do our fan list to push them back yeah. a bit more. But yeah. But what I would say about them, I suppose, is that 06, I think that is maybe where international football did peak. Because you mm. had loads of good teams. Yeah. And a lot of players were coming to the end of their thing. Like Zidane had one last go. Um, I mean, Germany were, were really good that year as well. Yeah. I mean, they've pretty much always been good. But yeah, but that, it was kind of that last good Brazil team as well. And yes. Argentina had Messi, but still had some of the old guard, like um, Raquel May, Ayala and stuff, who didn't play at the next World Cup. So yeah, there there were so many good teams in that World Cup. So they did, yeah, they did do really well to win that. But it's just because yeah. they didn't do much outside of it. No, you're right, and that that actually going through those names, England also had a good squad. That yeah, yeah, England, yeah, yeah. No, you're right. So yeah, it, it's a debatable one, and obviously I'm open for it to be pushed back. But they, in terms of names and the uh, the passion that they they gave, that's why they're on my list. Jack, your turn. So. I've got another Italian side at number seven. It's the early 30s, and they actually won it twice. Um, so you'd think the fact that they won it twice, they should be higher, but it was kind of riddled in controversy. It was around the time uh, Hitler and Mussolini and stuff, and there was uh, accusations of match-fixing, bribery and stuff. And, I mean, yeah, could Uruguay have won it the first time because they didn't enter the tournament? And it was just, it just was a lot easier to win the World Cup back then. You didn't have to win as many matches because not as many people took part. I think it was after the war, so like 1950, there started to be like quite a few teams. So when they won it 34 to 38, um, it, well, I don't think it's it's anywhere near as big as a achievement if, if someone like France was to do it now. Um, they had Giuseppe Miazza, who, yeah, I think we all know that's he's the man behind, that's who they named the San Siro after. And he oh, was it? the main man. That, yeah, and he was the main man of that team. And yeah, I think that's kind of what set the precedent as well for Italian football and kind of that defensive, uh, defensive football that they play. Um, so yeah, they're they're seven for me. On achievements, they could be a lot higher, but at the same time, just controversial. Yeah, there's a bit of controversy in there, so I think you have to take a bit of that into account. Yeah, definitely, Tom. Right, my number six is. Germany in 2014 because when they played in that era they absolutely dominated teams they were favourites I think I mentioned about if you've got someone in a sweepstake and you've got them you're laughing I got Germany in a sweepstake and that's it I knew I won I knew I won 100 quid that was it so I think Germany back then they had I think they were one of the I think they copied Spain with the no forwards thing as well because yeah, they had yeah. they had no actual recognised striker but for Mario Gomez Gomez, who was quite hit and miss. So I think put in, they copied that sort of technique, but they made it their own in a very German efficient way and would just win games outright. They had like what Tony Cruz in the middle, Sammy Kadira, Philip Lahm was big back there, Mario Goetze was on the rise. They also had Marco Royce, all them players who just annihilated teams and they won the World Cup. So for me, Germany's got to be that high up on their list. Yeah, the no, main man, Manuel Neuer. Manuel yeah, Neuer Lam. as well. Yeah, Neuer. Yeah. I think I like, I like Lam. Lam was a good... I don't know. Was that his... I remember that was like his bow, bow out of um, international football. I don't know. Yeah, a few of them retired, didn't they, after that? But he yeah. was a solid player. 
Lam. He was. It wasn't tall. I don't. Again, another. Was he quite a short player? From what I remember. Yeah. Five yeah. six or something. Bullets of shots. Shots were just bullets from his position. Um, mm. Yeah, he's a top player. I wouldn't. Uh, again, I wouldn't put. For me, Germany wouldn't come that high on my list, but they were a top team. I remember that, and they used to they used to dominate teams, and that, it showed in club level as well. Those players that played um, in that squad, um, it showed in club level their class as well. Mm, um, right, my number six, uh, Ron. Uh, Jack, you already mentioned him. Um, Tom, I don't know if you've already mentioned him. Holland, seventy four, seventy eight. Yeah. yeah. Uh, like you said, it was really instrumented by the main man, Johan Cruyff. You obviously had knee skins as well. Um, this style of football, total football, basically, the idea behind it is that any player can play anywhere. Um, and use, you, basically, you're playing off the ball and you're playing on the ball. It's just the ability to understand the game, every inch of it. Um, and although they didn't win anything, I think they set a precedent for how football is played for years to come. Um, Similar to how Brazil do that, did did that. Sorry for the Brazil teams now with their flair football. I think Holland did it for the world, uh, basically, um, and just the, the way they work together and the Manuel and Cruyff just pulling the strings and being instrumental in all of it. I think they have to make uh, my top six. Although I didn't win anything, it's just what the impact they've had on on the game. And obviously, I love the country for many reasons. Smoked the herb, Heineken, Amstel. You know, and didn't have bad kits either back then. Their kits are quite nice. Lovely kits, yeah. Yes, yeah, some some of the kits are absolutely magical. Love a bit of the orange. Bit of short shorts as well. Short shorts and a pair of Adidas specials, that's what you need. But you yeah, that's Joe Cruyff's magical turn that he invented as well. Oh, yeah. Sent oh, the yeah. Italian defender for chips. Yeah, absolute class. And he made that number 14 shirt famous, didn't he? Okay. Yes, he did. Indeed, definitely did. Jack. Number five, uh, six. Number three. six. This, uh, I mean, I had a real problem with even making my top ten, but uh, to even put these at number six, I think, I mean, you might not even have them, but I feel like they're low putting them this low. But Germany, the 70s, early 70s, yep. with Beckenbauer, Gerd Müller and Paul Breitner. Um, yeah, they won the World Cup. The fact that they beat that Holland team, but it, it's not just they did it in that one tournament. So they won the Euros before as well. And you know with Germany, they always go well in tournaments anyway. But when's the last time you can say Germany actually had the best player in the world? I think it's either Beckenbauer or Müller, depending on the year. I don't, I don't think you can say that recently. Yeah, they've, sure. always been, they've always been that good team, haven't they? But they haven't had that one or two individual brilliance. They did then. And um, also that Bayern Munich team in the sort of mid-70s as well was the best team in the world and a lot of them pretty much most of them played for Germany so they were just dominant efficient but they I don't think they really had a weakness they had a, a set Myring goal as well who well, I think Kahn was better but he's probably the second best German goalkeeper of all time they yeah. wasn't as exciting so that's why they're number six they might not even make your list but I, f- I feel quite funny putting them so low actually yeah they've made my list and they're a bit higher um, I'll go into reasons why but yeah they're they were top team, um, and obviously beating that that fantastic Holland team that I just described. Um, it's a feat in itself, really, isn't it? Yeah. Tom, your number five. My number five is the Brazil from the seventies. You had uh, they won the World Cup, and they had the players like Pele. I think Grincha played in that one. Zico, I think Socrates. 
Yeah. Or am I getting the uh, one you're No, no. Uh, Zico and Socrates were, were later, but yeah, they had Jozinho, Pele, yes. um, Rivellino. All, all of them players, I think, was Carlos Alberto as well that year? Yeah, yeah. Captain. Yeah. They, they had all of them players, and that was, I think, probably one of the best eras for Brazilian football. Like, they should have won more World Cups. They didn't, but that's why they're on my number five. Top five teams, just iconic with Pele and Garincha together. You you can't go wrong in that attack. I think I don't think there's a better difficult to put a better attack above them. To be honest, but yeah, that's why they're number yeah. five. I mean, Gar- yeah, Garincha was coming to the end, but yeah, he I've I agree on that Brazil seventies. I know it's your go, Jordan, but I'll just say I've I've got them at five as well. Yeah, um, I've I've got them uh, much higher on my list, um, but yeah. My number five uh, is the France 98-2000 team. Uh, for me, I, I, like I said, the, the, my first proper international team, you know, who I thought, wow, was uh, Brazil, right? But this team, you know, Brazil, uh, sorry, Brazil Brazil 2002 team. But for me, this this France team was the one that I recognised that people were like, Right, this is a big team. You saw them on the news. Obviously, I was quite young at the time, but you used to see them on the news and see that France team, um, people talking about it, and then you got the influx of those players coming to the Prem. Um, so this team here, we were talking about the Italian team having star names, but this team had star names um, beyond galore. I mean, this team yeah. had Bartes mm. and Goal, who was like the Man United keeper, famous for pulling his shorts up and kicking the, the post with his heels at penalties. You had uh, Marcel Dessin, Laurent Blanc, Non Blanc, sorry. Um, Zidane, obviously pulling the strings in the midfield. Uh, young Henri, Trezeguet, uh, Pires, Petit. I mean, I can go on. I can list the whole team, but that that team there. And the, the good thing about this team, you had the balance between experience and youth. Absolutely. So the, the youth that came through, you know, that went on in, into the 2000s and produced in the Euros, etc. But the youth that came through was Henri, was uh, Vieira. You know, can you, Imagine that having that as you, as your youth. Yeah, just yeah. Unreal. Um, so I don't know. This team just pure class again. Uh, very European in the way they play football, um, but could still do the attacking elements of it. So they have a balance attack and defence, and balance of youth and experience. Uh, and for me, they're my number five. I was debating putting them higher, um, but again, like I said earlier on, the ta- the standard football started to tail off after the nineties, I believe. Um, although it's quite that, again, that's quite debatable with the Brazil teams that they came up against, etc. But yeah, yeah, my number five. Yeah, I've got a different opinion on that, but um, I'll go into that later on on them. But yeah, I, I said my five there. Uh, agree with Tom there. The sort of seventy to seventy four Brazil. Um, Pele was coming. Well, he was sort of his last hurrah. Garincha, I think, had just gone by then, but Jozinho and and all that were still there. They were. For the one individual tournament, if we're doing it just on an individual tournament, I think 70 is the best. But over longer period, there's there's teams better than them for me. Um, yeah, so Tom, what was your four? My number four is actually linking on to what Jordan said. Uh, the France 98-2000 team. Um, what a team. I mean, they absolutely destroyed that Brazil in the World Cup final. Um, just superstars all around, everywhere you looked. Zidane. Um, you had Lizar Azu, some other ones that Jordan didn't mention, such as like Yuri Djorkoy, Deschamps as well. Dugari. 
Dugali, just <laughs> all these players all over the gaff that just could play and were like the pinnacle of that time of what football was for me anyway. And that's why I've got them as number four. Nice. Um, my number four, uh, Jack, you obviously mentioned them previously, West Germany, 72-76. Uh, they beat their Holland team. Uh, brilliant, brilliant side. And like you said, the main man, Beckenbauer, the, probably the only time Germany did have a top player, as you said, uh, along with Gerd Müller banging the goals. I think that team uh, produced uh, a style of play that was so German. And that I don't mm. know if that makes sense to everyone, but I mean, you yeah. see German teams, they're kind of set up just solid. Um, and they set up quite arrogant as well. It's all about the persona. Um, they're all confident and we're going to come in and just going to wipe the floor clean with you. That's it, you're done. And they've got this arrogance and that's why I think a lot of teams have a rivalry with Germany, especially England. Um, obviously with the past, obviously. But I mean, in terms of footballing-wise, you don't... I, I don't like watching German football and seeing them, not just because I'm English, <laughs> just because I, they've got this arrogance about them. We've, Jack, obviously you've alluded to it, to it in the previous podcast about why I don't like arrogant footballers. I prefer them to be do the work on the pitch. I've got nothing against them, but I think Germany do it in the right way, just like Ronaldo does. They they are a, a team that are so confident in their ability and will go out and put in a shift on the pitch Um and for me, Beckenbauer held that together. Uh, and he was the man who wore the Copa Mondiales and made them what they are today. Um, mm. The most comfortable boot ever. Um, but yeah, the only thing I would say is we do like to beat the Germans 5-1. I just want to put that out there to everyone listening. <laughs> uh, it was a lovely game. Just, just I don't want to praise Germany too much, so I just had to soften it a little bit. Throw that one in there. Yeah. <laughs> That's a good shout, to be fair. I mean, they weren't on my list purely for the fact that it was a big thing to beat the Dutch team. But I can definitely see why they're on the list. Sweet. Yeah. What's your one? Uh, my number four is Spain 2008 to 2012 side. So, I mean, it's an amazing achievement to win three international tournaments in a row, which very few, if any, I think have done. Um, and we, we sort of touched on it in an earlier podcast on our club sides that it was sort of synonymous with Barcelona, which mm. we had down as, as the greatest club side of, of the past 25 years. Um, that midfield three, Xavi, Iniesta, Busquets, it's so hard to say for sure if they're number one, but they've surely got to be top five um, of all time in terms of a, a kind of three centre mids. And in possession, at keeping the ball, they're probably, again, top five sides ever. Uh, I think they're four, which is high, obviously very high anyway. You could definitely argue them higher, but I just think they they played one way. They didn't really have a plan B. They didn't really need a plan B, but mm. I just think they were a bit one-dimensional, whereas some of the other teams above could do a bit more and I think had less of a weakness. Um, but yeah, I mean, they were, they just, they had that sort of German efficiency about them. When they won the 2010 World Cup, I think they only let in like two goals or something, two or three goals in the whole tournament. I'm really, really good, which you don't you don't associate great defending with Spain necessarily, but they really did there. And Casillas in that tournament, so, so good as well. But yeah, they're, they're number four on the fact that their achievements maybe make them even higher. But I think when you boil it down to like the individual players and how they played, I think there's better for me. 
Not fair enough. enough. They're on my list, but they're higher up for me. Yeah. And we'll come to that later. Yeah, same. Tom, you're now we're going into the top three, aren't we? Mm. Yeah. Go on then. Hit us with number three. This one is the Brazil 98-2002 World Cup teams and their uh, Copa Nations. Is it Copa Nations over there or the Continental? Uh, Copa America. Yeah. America. That's the one. Um, yeah. They just they got to all the finals. They unlucky against France, mainly because of Ronaldo not being available. But what a game it would have been if he was um, not having the medical issues beforehand. I feel you look at the Brazil team at that time and you can name every player off the top of your head. And they were frightening. And the amount of young players that are coming through after that, when you had Adriano starting to make his way through, you had Dino was in the background coming through, Kaka coming through. It just seemed like there was this endless array of talent. And the defence was actually quite underrated, I think. You had like Lucio and Luizio together at the back. Lucio, I think, is probably one of the most underrated centre-backs there is. Like, I think mm, we look definitely. back to when when he and Walter Samuel bullied Didier Drogba in the Champions League. Never happened. I can't remember which year it is, but I know Jordan loves that. 2010, yeah, I know Jordan loves that. Never but... happened. <laughs> but Lucio, just, he's just such an underrated centre-back. And he could also play boys. I think he's like one of the original, or one of, for our time, the original ball-playing centre-backs. And yeah. just attacking wise was just so scary. And growing up, you just wanted to be Brazilian in that time. So that's why they're number three for me. Yeah, I mean, I, they were uh, lower on my list, but I mean, they are, they play beautiful football as all Brazilian teams do. But uh, you're talking about you, Lucio. Yeah, you mentioned the dropper thing, whatever. But I mean, in terms, <laughs> you know, I think you alluded to it in a previous episode, not about uh, Lucio specifically, but I remember playing uh, FIFA Street. I don't know if you remember that game. Um, where you do like freestyle football, like three on three, and you pick your teams. Um, so you have to pick one defender, one um, striker, one midfielder, whatnot. And um, Lucio was one of those players at the back because of his attacking ability. You either had him or Roberto Carlos, and they're all part of the, like the Brazilian teams and how they used to like dominate. Um, so yeah, I mean Lucio was a great player, but you obviously had that that spine. Um, as with all the top teams um, in 2000, uh, well, not in 2000, but within that Brazil team, yeah, is it Dida, Cafu, uh, Rivaldo, Ronaldo? I mean, if you were talking about an elite spine, maybe Dida is the weak link, link there, but that is a that's a bloody solid spine, that is. Um, mm, definitely. But yeah, so going on to my number three, I won't go for long for this one because um, Jack has already mentioned uh, him, them. Um, but the Hungary 49 to 56 team, um, yeah, they they only lost once over a, is it a five year span? Yeah, uh, yeah. And that that was the World Cup final, like you said, Jack. Um, but they averaged like five goals per game. Did you know that? Yeah, yeah. It they, That's they mad. were mad. Kuskus's goal record is like one for one um, internationally, and I think Coxix is actually better than one for one. As well, so be- between them, they were getting at least two a game between them, and then they had a few wing. I can't pronounce the name because of H, um, but they had him on the wing, and it was different time as well. They did have like it's like a bit more like now, like fullbacks are really attacking. I think they had crazy formations back then, and yeah, they were banging team. 
This is what I'm I waiting. do feel like I've not been given them a justice by putting them on my list, to be honest. And I think I've given them injustice putting them eight, possibly, but we can go into that. Yeah, um, good. A bit later. Jack, I am surprised at you, but I mean... Yeah, yeah. That, that, the other thing, and obviously I'm going back to that debate we had in the middle of the podcast with um, France. What I would say with these teams, they did not have the pictures that we have today. They had massive bloody footballs with like... They just, the Aces. playing conditions they had were nowhere near as good as what we have today. Um, so you've got to take that consideration. And remember, the defender will kick a lump, kick a lump of shit out of you if uh, if you weren't if weren't his good side. So the ability to do that, you know, score like Piscuit score every game while a defender's on hot on your heels, and I mean proper hot on your heels, would punch you if you he wanted to. That kind of uh, ability to do that internationally as well, I think, um, definitely has to be your top three. Nah, that's fair well, enough. I do feel like I've not. Giving them justice by putting them on my top. Yeah, I, I felt a bit strange putting them at eight, to be honest. But um, yeah, we'll, we'll talk about it in a bit. But my number three is late nineties France to when they won the Euros and that. I mean, I think Tom, did you already allude? I think you both talking about them. That, you yeah, know, the na- the names through them are just amazing. And I think as a back, well, Bartes wasn't as good as some of the guys back four though. Chiram, Lazarazu, Blanc, and Desailly, like well up there. Um, probably Italy's got better, but well up there for like the best back four of all time internationally. And then they had Zidane in his pomp. And then I, I would say as well, I'd with them when I think of this side, I think physical, like Zidane, Vieira, um, physical tools with pace as well. So they had like Henri, Chiram was very physical for a right back. Desai just so athletic, so strong, so quick. They're probably the the best like athletes on this list but they can actually play a bit as well um, and yeah they, they beat that 98 Brazil team and I swear they always used to beat Brazil when they come up against them in uh, other things like the, do you remember the Confederations Cup yeah if they do that anymore but they won that as well I think they beat Brazil and um, yeah they did bomb out though in the 2002 World Cup so that, go, that does go against them and I think Tom mm. touched on it on his favourite episode that basically because Zidane was injured in that one and that's how much of a difference he did make um but yeah I just think they were so good physically and I think they it was a really strong period for international football around that time that Mm. Holland team was awesome uh, in the 90s uh Croatia their best ever team Argentina was good and yeah France won won it so they're they're free for me beautiful it's also a strong England team as well that 98 yeah. team as well weren't it like you yeah. said Shearer banging in goals Owen Rooney not Rooney sorry Owen uh, Beckham was still around quite a strong, strong Scotland team as well yeah, yeah. <laughs> of course like my number my number two is Brazil 58 to 62 uh, they won back to back World Cups I mean any team that's won back to back World Cups has got to be on the list and just has to be that high up for me so, yeah, I'm not too sure what type of players they had, but I do know any team winning back-to-back World Cups has to be high up on the list. That's why they're number two. Yeah, that's when Garincha was, was in his pomp, really. Um, and probably Pele, arguably, in his pomp then as well. Like You don't, yeah. you don't need a lot else, to be fair. When, when you've got... That's, that's probably the greatest, you know, front two. They're not, they're not technically striker-strikers, but, yeah, the best sort of front two ever, really, playing together. Yeah. In their pomp, 
Yeah, in their right. <laughs> um, right, I totally forgot about that team. So that makes me look like a proper. Um, oh my god! If yeah. you've not got them on your list, that makes you look like a. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I won't swear, but yeah, I'm totally So glad. Yeah, that's it. We've got the same melon. I'm glad we've got two other lists to compare with and uh, sort of a final list because I, my, I've put Brazil seventy as number two. Um, obviously, we spoke about them in our previous episode and the class that they had. Tom, you've obviously mentioned them already. That goal um, against Italy, Ricardo Soberto, it's pure football. Uh, the team mm. just, it was just pure class. They had Jarzinho, uh, Pele, Gerson, uh, Al- Alberto, uh, and that, is it Rivellino? Rivellino, yeah. I can't speak at the best of times, so yeah, um, it's a bit of a time twister for me. But just a magical team and a magical spine to the team. Um, did you know that Rivellino, someone else say it for me. Rivellino. That guy, <laughs> that, <laughs> that guy, he invented the flip flap that we know today, or the Elastico. Oh, I didn't. Uh, yeah. Wow. So uh, a bit of fun fact for you, but obviously yeah. they had the true legends like Pele. I think he was a 29 at the time, so he was coming towards the end um, mm. of his career. But um, just the way they played was and beautiful football. Um, again, I keep on saying it sets precedents for you, the the Brazil teams of now. Um, and if you want to know more about the Brazil teams, listen to our previous episode because we go in deep about what those teams brought to the game and where we think nowadays it's not as prevalent and uh, they've gone quite a European style at the moment. But back then, Brazilian football was just beautiful. It was all about having fun. It was not about, you know, it was about winning, but it wasn't the main thing. But for this team, just ooze class, and um, they are my number two. Yeah, yeah. As long as they're on the list, and you haven't missed any out. Yeah, I think individual one tournament. As I said, I think they're number one. But yeah, they. Just, I think there's better Brazil teams, and yeah. one of them I think is better is my number two. I depends. Don't know what five year span you want to do. I know it was your number three, Tom. But I've gone two thousand and two to two thousand and seven. Um, okay. So the main thing is you have the 2002 in there, so you can do it earlier. But you've got the three R's, which we talk about in our Brazilian footballers episode. You've still got Cafu and Carlos, and then you've got Kaká. So you've actually got a one time you got four Ballon d'Or World Player of the Years in one team, which mm-hmm. would you know just wouldn't happen. Um, and they won the World Cup. They also won two Copa Americas. Brazil don't really win that many Copa Americas. It's normally Uruguay and Argentina, even. In Pele's, I don't think Pele ever won a Copa America. And the, oh, really? this, these guys won two. And it, I think it was, this is where international football peaked when they were at their strongest as well. So they was they was beating big names. And obviously, Jogga Benito, we talked about that a lot in our favourite footballers episode and all that stuff. So I think they're really underrated, actually. Just because they're, maybe because it's like recent, I think they'll be appreciated more. Years to come. In years to come. Yeah. Yeah, yeah I do. always think the other side of 2002 most of the time don't you when it comes to yeah. Brazil you sort of forget the other side of 2002 yeah, yeah. where it's uh, more you know I, I didn't put um, I, I, obviously I put the 2002 team in I didn't put anything further than 2006 that was that 2016 died so off so 7 they won the copper but yeah I think they died off in 06 but they're actually a 10 year span because Obviously, they got to the '98 World Cup final as well. You could, and you could technically you say could, from the '90s, early Yeah, 90s well. and they won it in '90. Yeah, so it's it's difficult to pinpoint the time, but I think the fact that they had Kaká, Rivaldo, Ronaldo, and Ronaldinho in one side 
also had Roberto Carlos and Cafu and Lucio. That's, yeah, that's an amazing team. You could yeah, argue that you can go from 94 to 2004, 2007, so it's like over a 10 year yeah. period. Yeah. You could just say all time, really. Tom, <laughs> yeah. what's, your, what's your number uno? Mi numero uno is España. Got Spain, oh, 2008, right. 2012. Uh, same here. Yeah, Jack, you said it already. They won three big trophies in a row. I can't think of a team who's done that. Definitely not internationally wise, but just to win it three times in a row. Just immense. And they had that style of play where they didn't have the striker. They just popped teams for fun. And they sort of, it was like, Brazil revolutionised it for being fun. Spain has created a tick-attacker kind of football or emulated that tick-attacker kind of football, which you see other international teams trying to do now. And it's the base of what England are probably trying to do now with their DNA and everything. It's mm-hmm. just to actually go out and do that without a recognised striker. And the options they had, I said earlier about France having a lot of squad depth. The midfield that Spain have is just unreal. Like then mm. David Silva, uh, Fabregas, and they hardly really played in that centre mid role because you had Iniesta, Xavi, Busquets, the best midfield three. Defensively, yeah. they were pretty solid as well. You had Ramos, you had Puyol, you had PK as well. It was just immense the squad depth. You had Casillas in goal. You said earlier they conceded what two goals all tournament? Two goals in 2010, I think. Two or three, yeah. It just really, just really good defence that time. But then again, it was defence in attacks. They just had the ball. You couldn't get the ball off them. Yeah. So that's why they're my number one. But you know what we were saying earlier about like France, this current France team and their depth? And like centre-backs is obviously the big one where they have loads. Yeah, Spain centre-mids are crazy. I mean, Arteta never got a cap for Spain and he never got anywhere near. But he was always like right at the top of all the passing stats and all that in the Premier League. Uh, whatever. Because of how good Spain's midfield, yeah, he he wouldn't even get a sniff. And then like, yeah, <laughs> Al- Alonso, he didn't make the starting on up. And yeah, Peter Levin was like Cazola. one of the best ever. Santi Cazorla, yeah. When he was, I, I didn't say him because I didn't want to say too many Arsenal players to sound biased. <laughs> yeah, I was thinking him in my head, like Jack, mate. Yeah. Don't even mention Arteta. All right, he might have done the passing stats, but there's more to the game than the passing. No, there is, but to not have one cap. Yeah, good. Yeah. So not have a single cap. He played for Everton and Arsenal. We're a good player. Um, anyway. He's a top player. <laughs> nah. You're number one to same, Spain, yeah? Yeah, yeah. He's, top, he's not a top player, not a top manager. But um, anyway. Um, yeah, Spain, obviously. Um, I'm not going to go in because Tom, obviously, and Jack, you've described everything. But um, just beautiful football and dominated. You can see it all came from that Barcelona team, basically, plus Ramos. Um, it's just... And I remember that tournament. Was that when Cesc Fabregas got that Barcelona top put on him? Yeah. Yeah. So that was, was nice. Yeah. Nice to see, yeah. Watching Arsenal footer again. Um, but <laughs> I think, yeah, that, that just having that class and the way that midfield absolutely just knows how to play for playing the smallest spaces possible, passing the most accurate way. Um, yeah, it was just an unreal, unreal era for Spanish football. But I remember that so important in the newspaper, I remember that World Cup and it was something like Notre Dame, Damas, you know the, the guy that predicted everything? Oh, uh, yeah, yeah. And it, it was like Spain was going to dominate the world at one point and I, I remember it was like Rafael Nadal um, Yeah, he won, he won was tennis, number one. And Spain won the World Cup and so, uh, 
it was all like Spain's year that that year. And there was a motorbike person as well that was winning that. I can't remember yeah. what that was. This is what I mean. And so, Fernando Alonso at uh, Formula One, he was still pretty good. Yeah, just so thinking that it's it's a bit of a mad one, but um, yeah, I mean they had such an effect. I mean Jack brought a load of uh, Spanish kits and he kitted us out um, when we was playing futsal. Yes, um, a few years back. Do you remember that time? Yeah, um, we had like grey kits instead, but then his Jack was just like, no, we're wearing Spanish red. Yeah. So yeah, obviously they had like tour reds and stuff like that on the back and stuff like that. It was just it was just a mad one. But um, footage is on YouTube. If anyone wants to watch how real football's played, forget about all this. League. Watch our <laughs> our futsal um, footage, unreal. But yeah, you see top... us going against Sean Scannell as well. Exactly, and that's one of the reasons yeah. why Tom you uh, put um, one of the teams on his list. Um, yes, <laughs> but yeah. Top top team, a Spanish team. Um, but yeah, I am conscious that I didn't put that Brazil team with Pele. Yeah. Pelé. So my number one is that team that didn't quite make Jordan's top ten. Which <laughs> 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 is the uh, the nineteen fifty eight sixty two team. Um, yeah, Garincha and Pele. And they also had the two Santoses, Jalma and Nilton. Um, and yeah, they just they just dominate. Yeah. They were the second team to win back-to-back World Cups. But as I said earlier, I think when Italy did it, it was controversial and it just wasn't as good an achievement. When Brazil did it, they were top, top. And yeah, they they just played very attacking football um, and they just, yeah, they just won. And no other team has won two in a row. And Garincha and Pele, I challenge anyone to think of a better two up top internationally than that I don't think you can put it in there probably didn't have as many names but then that's that's probably only because they were in the 50s and 60s I bet if they was playing now we'd know every single player and go mm. on about them um, but yeah I think we, we touched on it so much in our Brazil podcast on the top 10 Brazilian players and yeah uh, spoiler alert well, actually, well you know the top two is going to be on that and yeah, they were just key on both them wins. And I, I don't think, yeah, I don't think there can be a better team than that. Interesting to see where Jordan puts them. though. now he's actually remembered. They exist. <laughs> Look, lads, I've had, a, I've had an absolute nightmare. The last two episodes, obviously the draft episode, the bonus one, where I picked Lewis Dunk. And now how I've completely missed out this Brazil team. You know, I think, I think we're gonna have to start putting in some forfeits in uh, into our episodes. Just. I don't know. That was a nightmare, but yeah, Jack. Obviously, I I'm, I am a hundred percent with with you. First, first or second? I'll, I'm going to go with second. Well, should we um should we list our top tens for yeah? Let's do it. Memory, and then uh, we'll we'll decide the joint list. Yeah, hundred percent. Tom, do you want to go first? Your top ten. My top ten were in number ten: Uruguay, nineteen thirty; England, sixty-six; Netherlands, seventy-four; France. 2016 to 2020, Germany 2014, Brazil in the 70s or the early 70s, France 98 2000, Brazil 98 to 2002, Brazil 58 to 62, and then Spain 08 to 12. Beautiful. Jordan. Yeah, right. So mine is Argentina 86 to 90. Then number nine was Brazil 82. Number eight was Brazil 2000s. Number seven was Italy 06. Number six was Holland 74-78. Number five was France 98-2000. Number four was West Germany 72-76. Number three was Hungary 49-56. Number two was Brazil 70s. Number one was Spain 08-12. 
Okay, and mine was number 10, Argentina, 86 to 90. Number 9, Holland, 74 to 78. Number 8, Hungary's early 1950s. Number 7, Italy, 1934 to 38. Number six, Germany, early 70s. Number five, Brazil, early 70s. Number four, Spain, 2008 to 2012. Number three, France, 98 to 2000. Number two, the 2000s, Brazil. And number one, 1958 to 1962, Brazil. Um, so how do you want to do, do it? Do you want to start sort of 10 or do you want to start nearer the top? We'll go 10. Get the hard bit out of the way, I suppose. Okay. I think, yeah. Yeah, so... so I- we had the same 10, didn't we, Jordan? Yeah. And Tom, did you have them on the list? I, I didn't have them did at, at all, all, but I'm happy to have them instead of Uruguay, 1930. Yeah. Okay. So number 10, we've got Argentina. Number nine, obviously I went for Brazil, 82. You guys? Uh, I didn't have 82 on my list. I had England, 66, although arguably not as good as Brazil, 82. Jack, what did you have? I had Holland, 74 to 78, but I can see that that will probably go higher up. Yeah, I think both you guys had it. Um, did any of you guys have Italy on the yeah. list? No, I had Italy. The ninth, but you had O six. Um, I mean, I'd say so. I got them at seven, but I think the fact that they won two World Cups. Yeah, I think they, have to they be should in probably it. be on the list, but as high up as even nine. But maybe, yeah. Should I'm, we put them at nine? Yeah, Can I'm happy to put them at nine. Yeah. put them as ten and put Argentina eighty six at nine. Yeah, if you prefer doing it that way. Yeah. So is Italy when? Uh, 34 to 38 because I think that Argentina team was better actually thinking about it okay mm. let's do that so Italy 34 38 is number 10 number 9 is obviously the Argentinian 86 and 90 yeah. uh, number 8 I had Netherlands 74 Jack you had similar to that didn't you Your Holland I, had, team sev- I had 74 at number 8 I had Hungary 8 but I mean yeah I think they should yeah. be higher I had um, yeah I had Holland at number six, so it's fairly similar. I can see things getting pushed up, so I'm I'm happy to put Holland there. Yeah, okay. Netherlands are four. There we go. So what's next? I had France 2016, 2020, but I'm guessing that's getting blown out the water. Yeah. Mm, I, I mean, yeah, I think that high up. Now we're talking about seven. I think that's quite high. Yeah. yeah. Fair I mean, enough. I had Italy, so we've already ranked them. I had Italy. Uh, no, sorry, I had uh, Brazil. 2000. Mm, they should be higher, really. I think they should, yeah. Well, I've got them at two, but yeah, I think they should be higher than seven anyway. I think we should have Brazil 70s or the Brazil 82. I think the 70s, 70s were better, I think. Yes, yeah, so I think Brazil 82 should go there, if I'm honest. I'm afraid of that. They're, they're, yeah. They were next on my, well, number nine on my list. So, um, Jeff, um, so let's just think who we've got. Uh, so we have where did you not have Germany? Did you have Germany on the list? Fourth. Oh, West- I, West Germany, didn't them, I didn't did have you? Germany on my list, no, so I think we should do West Germany instead. Yeah, I think we've only got space for one of those. Yeah, we'll do probably. West Germany. Early 70s? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I might be with that, okay. So what we've got, cool. so 10, Italy, 9, Argentina, 8, Holland, 7, West Germany. Yeah, six, I then had, six. I had Germany 2014 on my list. That's not making mine at all. Jack? No. Um, I mean, I had Germany, Germany early 70s, that was easy to say. So <laughs> we've already ranked them at seven. I think we should do Brazil 82. don't know if anyone else agrees. We've got after space. That, we've... Have we got space? Yeah, actually, yeah, sorry, we do have space for them. Yeah. Actually, yeah. Um, yeah I think we do that. Actually, no, because we've got Hungary to put in as oh, well. Oh, yeah, we've got Hungary. Yeah, we don't have space. I think Brazil <sighs> 70s then. This is how hard it's been. I mean, when I was... Yeah, Brazil 70s, Brazil 70s. I had them at five. 
obviously um, but yeah, two. you had them at two. Yeah, but obviously not knowing. I'm I'm happy to put Hungary at six and Brazil early seventies at five. Let's do that just because the Hungary team was yeah. It was Brazil actually won the World Cup. Yeah, they didn't win. Okay, let's do that. So, so Hungary at six, number five. We're gonna go with Brazil seventies. Yeah. So. Uh-huh. Four. Just, just to so the top four. Am I right in thinking our top four is two thousands Brazil, late nineties France, two thousands. Uh, so two thousands Brazil, nineteen fifty eight to sixty two Brazil, late nineties France and Spain. Is that our top four? Yes, that is yeah, our top four. So we've just got to decide the order. I so, think it should be France ninety eight next, purely for the fact that Brazil after that was nine. You could argue ninety four. Yeah, yeah. So they didn't have that longevity, long. did they? That the others had. Uh, but yeah, Brazil's after that, I think, should be the ninety-four to two two thousands. Yeah, agree with that. Or yeah. Are we saying because it's longer than Brazil fifty-eight sixty-two? I think fifty-eight. I mean, they were different teams technically, weren't they? Yeah. Because like, you could then say fifty-eight to seventy, and they won three World Cup. So I think there Brazil. What should we call it? 2002, but it's around... It's just work it around that, isn't it? 2002, we can uh, shift either, either side. Yeah, right. either side, either side. Yeah. So I'll call it Brazil either side, 20, 2002. Yeah. So then our top two is 58 to 62 Brazil and yeah. Spain. 08-12. That's yeah. tough. Yeah, I like literally that. Flip a coin. You could literally flip a coin. I mean, you could, yeah, you could on that. I All mean, right. it depends how you rate it. Like, because obviously... Brazil back then they didn't have the Copa America back then, but they could have probably won it. So they won two World Cups and one regional, whereas Spain won two regionals and then one World Cup. It's mm. like sort of like you can't really count Euros as being as prestigious as a World Cup, do you? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean that's why I put them above Spain just because they won two World Cups. But I mean Spain, although they were one-dimensional, did they have more? They had definitely had more depth or we think they did anyway and mm. but they just didn't have the same individual quality so it's almost it really is kind of prefer but but yeah. as we both put spain as number one tom i think it makes sense yeah and, i think if uh, you had a vote yeah i'd, I'd lose out on that yeah um, cool. so that's that's really that's, that's really i mean right. looking at looking at that list now that makes sense like when i was picking trying to pick the list uh, before the podcast it was so hard but uh, if you look at that list right now that all makes sense. So, Jack, do you want to yeah, go through? Yeah, so the list is at number 10, Italy 1934 to 1938. At number 9, Argentina 1986 to 1990. At number four, France, 98 to 2000. At number three, um, Brazil, basically the pinnacle of it was 2002. can pick sort of four or five years before or after, depending on what one prefer, I suppose. At number two, Brazil, 1958 to 2. And at number one, the Spain side, 2008 to 2012. That is a mad list. It's beautiful stuff, though, isn't it? um... As you said, it makes sense now you look at it. Something that Jordan yeah, didn't have on his list. I can't <laughs> believe that. Yeah, and that um, it ties in with our club side one a bit because that because Barcelona was number one on that list. I mean, it was only over twenty five years, but 
yeah, that they were number one on that. And that was practically most of Spain. There. And then, yeah, obviously a lot of the players played for either Brazil or France in the 90s and 2000s as well. So, mm. I mean, yeah, ties in quite nicely. But yeah, I think that's that was easier actually to agree on that. I thought it might be. Yeah, yeah, but that, yeah, I'm obviously I forgot that that Brazil type side, but that list right now just looks looks right. And like you said, with the club side, it does link in the Spain side, that Barcelona team at the same time, um, absolutely dominated and obviously dominated world football. But you can just tell, just looking back on that list, every team I think I mentioned it before had a star player or at least one star player, and I don't know, Brazil just dominate. Don't know. They just dominate, and it's yeah. we alluded to it in our previous episode. But I don't think they're going to be in that position for years to come because I don't know what time. I, actually, we mentioned it after '06, maybe '07. Brazil just went off the rails. They did not have that style of play, and Neymar is probably the only one really holding it up at the moment. And it's a shame. But that that list there, it just just shows you that England are absolutely diabolical at the moment and we need to <laughs> we need to up our game um but yeah. on the under 21s episode there's a few england players that we are putting our hope in really aren't we to become the golden generation mark too yeah hopefully fingers crossed but um i don't know it's it, it, it was a hard list to do but looking at now uh beautifully explained and put out um and spain being the overall winner uh yeah. and debatable with brazil 58 but you know <laughs> two top teams, two top teams. But yeah, we've got obviously got a new segment to our podcast. Where basically, we'll shout out any individual um, podcasts or companies or potential Twitter pages um, that we like and enjoy over the past week. Um, and this week, we've come across a new podcast similar to ours. It's called Two Up Top Football. Um, so we spoke to the owner uh, of that, which is uh, this guy called Gavin. Uh, the guys basically talk football and compile lists such as us. They do top five footballs and football drafts. So if you want to give them a little follow, uh, a listen, just type that in. So it's two up top football. They do a podcast every Monday at 6pm and the link will be in the description. Um, so obviously, if you want to be involved or you want us to shout you out, um, follow us on Twitter. Uh, and we have a new Instagram account, uh, Facebook. So we have a load of social media content coming out in the next few weeks. But Jack... Do you want to explain what we're doing next week? Yeah, so next week uh, we're back to a sort of players list. It's it's the top 10 individual performances since uh, the year 2000, so of this century. That's a mad one. I mean... Yeah, sure individual that's... games, that is, rather than, uh, like, tournaments. Surely so... that's got to be filled with Eden Hazard. He carried Chelsea for years. Uh, maybe top 11. Not sure about top 10. I was thinking top 12. <laughs> yeah. Ooh, Ooh. I mean, he'd definitely be above Hazard. Definitely be above Hazard. Whatever. What dominant game? <laughs> you don't need no, to. No, the thing with Arteta, Arteta was consistent. He didn't. He didn't sort of have a nine out of ten, and then yeah, have a, a two shit. out of ten. Uh, I'm not sure. Yeah. <laughs> okay. So yeah, Tom, this might be your opportunity to get a couple of Palace players in potentially. You know, I don't know. Oh. Fingers crossed. <laughs> Fingers crossed. Yeah, we'll, we'll see. That's going to be a, a good episode. I don't think it'll be as hard as what this one was because um, it's all based on individual performances and that's easy to uh, to tell when someone's absolutely dominating a game. Um, but yeah, that's going to be an exciting one for everyone to listen to. But yeah, nice. Thank you all for listening. Remember to follow us on the social media um, side of things. Uh, links in the description. Keep well. Enjoy the football. Thank God it's back. 
and keep it FT low. Have a good one, people. See you next week for another For the Love of List segment. Remember to follow our Twitter at FT Low Podcast and to like, comment and subscribe.